Good morning. How is everybody? Woo! Woo! Excited. I don't know why you're not more excited. Uh, this weather the last couple of days has been fantastic. It is my favorite time of year. That is puffy vest time of year. Can I get an amen for the puffy vest? I'm sorry. None of you have any sense of style whatsoever. I'll just, I'll, I'll puffy vest it up on my own. That's fine. I don't need all you anyway. What do I? Phew. All right, let's tell a story. You want to hear a story? All right, so here's a story. This story, uh, this is uh, to help you get a little visual here. This is outside the city walls. Um, and uh, there was a guy, not Jesus. I'm not even going to try and trick you this time. Uh, I know you've fallen for that too many times. You're starting to not trust me. Um, so there's a guy, he owned, he owned a field. And so he's like, hey, I need some helpers to work in the field. And uh, so he went outside the city gates and uh, he said, I need to hire a guy. And uh, he saw a guy walking by, saw this guy. We'll call this guy Red Robe Guy. He says, hey, Red Robe Guy, what are you up to today? He says, mm, not a whole lot, kind of looking for some work. He says, well, coincidence, I've got some work to give. So he says, I need you to come. I need you to work in my field and I will uh, pay you uh, one uh, I forget the actual word for their money exchange now. We'll see it in a second when I can read it. But he essentially says, I will pay you one uh, unit of this money for a day's work. Guy says, that sounds like a fair deal. So they go off, run to his field. About halfway through the, guy, halfway through the day, the owner's like, hey, I need some more help. And so he goes back down to the city, city gates, city walls, sees some guys. He says, hey, trio of guys. That's their name. It's actually their gang's name. Their official <laughs> trio of guys says, hey, I need some more help out in my field. Will you please uh, come help and I will pay you? And they said, all right. And that conversation was interesting because the first guy says, I'm going to pay you this much. This time he just says, I'll pay you. They don't even ask the price. They're just like, all right. So they decide, well, we're going to go work. He says, all right, good deal. So then later on the day, he still, he still needs some more help. And uh, so uh, he goes back out and he finds another dude. And this is towards the, there's probably only about an hour left in the day. And looks at this day and he goes, hey, no face hair guy. Um, what are you up to? He's like, nothing. He's like, hey, I need some help finishing up in the field today. You want to come help? Sure, I'll come help. So he goes and helps and uh, it's time. It's time at the end of the day. Finally, it ends and uh, it's time for payday. Time for pay time. So, so red robe guy, red robe guy comes and uh, he comes to get his and uh, the owner's like, all right, all right, here's your one measure. We got a little bag of something there. Here's your one measure. You can have it. That's what we agreed upon. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we agreed upon. So he, uh, he takes his one measure. He heads out. Trio of guys comes. He says, hey, trio of guys, here you go. One measure. And they're like, Cool. Red robe guys over here like, wait, what? One measure, that's what, that's, what, that's what he paid me. So then he goes, hey, no face hair guy, step on up. No face hair guy comes on up. He goes, here, one measure. Hands it to him. Red robe guys over here like, what the heck? I worked all day for one measure, and this dude that you picked up for like the last hour, you gave him the same amount? He's like, I'm not letting this stand. So red robe guy goes back to owner, and he says, hey, this is not fair. I worked all day for one measure, and then you gave 
that other guy the same amount. He only worked an hour. Like, this isn't fair. The owner looks at him and says, what do you mean it's not fair? Did you not agree to work for a full day for this amount? Is you thought that was a fair amount when you agreed, and now you're upset about it? And the guy says, yeah, but it's not fair. You paid the other guys the same amount. The owner essentially looks at him and says, how or dare you tell me how to spend my money? Now, it might seem like a little bit of a stretch for you, but here's what we're getting into today with this story. We're getting into something that I touched on last week, and I got a little heated last week for any of you here. I'm glad to see you back. I got a little wound up. I'm not going to get so wound up on you today. Um, but I want to talk another week about irresponsibility. I got all, I got all riled up on it last week. Um, and I was talking last week about a whole lot of um, allowing irresponsibility to happen around you. And uh, so this week, I want to talk about irresponsibility in you. And, and, and irresponsibility is one of those things that is real, real difficult to see in the mirror, right? It, it, it's real difficult. But what we discovered last week is that irresponsibility is not a, um, it's not a solo event. It, it affects the people that are around you. If you're in a marriage, if you're in a family, uh, in your workplace, in a church, if you're in some sort of social clubs, irresponsibility affects other people around you. Now today I want to challenge you, and yes, last week was challenging, but this is going to be a nicer challenge, I promise. It's a different way, but I, I, I want to take you back to your childhood for just a moment. So in your minds, get back in the way, way, way back machine um, because there is something that has been said by every child who has existed in all of time. And we're going to go back to when you said it. Um, and that is this. At some point, something happened and we looked our parents dead in the eye and with all the passion that we could muster, we looked at them and we said, that's not fair. Right? How many of you remember saying that to your parents? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not fair. To which every parent in every culture throughout all of history replied, life's Yes, you're with me. Yes, you, you are, you're in the moment. Some of you remember this interaction with your parents. Some of you remember this interaction with your children. Like this, it, every, life's not fair. Now, the truth is, we all know that life isn't fair. Like, that's not news to any of us this morning. Uh, life's not fair, but there's something in us that wants life to be fair, at least some of the time, right? At least some of the time. C confession here in this conversation, um, and I'm going to confess on myself uh, but I have a feeling you're going to mentally be like, oh, yeah, that's me too. Um, I'm only concerned and worried about fairness when I'm in a situation where I got the small piece of the pie. Then all of a sudden, fairness is a big issue for me. There's got to be fairness, right? When I get the largest piece of the pie, I'm not concerned with fairness so much, right? I, 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 when I get the largest piece, I just thank you, God, for the grace and blessings in my life that you have bestowed upon me. <laughs> right? All right? Come on. You're the same way. 
You're the same. Thank you for the blessing, right? And, and there's an opportunity at work, maybe, that there's, there's three or four people that are maybe vying for a position uh, that, that, that you guys want, and, uh, and you get it. And when you get that position or that promotion that other people are vying for, you, you immediately are like, you immediately, you, you go home, you say, family, God is good. I got it. You gather around the, the, the table. You, you know, nobody, nobody, when they get the promotion or they get the job, goes home and says, family, we need to have a meeting. Life is unfair. Because three other people wanted the job that I got. And they didn't get it. And that's just not fair. Never do we have that conversation, right? Never. But elsewhere, there are people sitting around their table being like, it's not fair. I was just as qualified. I worked longer. I stayed extra and did the whatever you got it, you know, and they're like, it's not fair that I didn't get it. Yeah, but when you're the one that benefits, you're not so worried about the fairness, right? And, and see, we're only concerned about it when we get the short of the stick. When things are going our way, we don't really worry too much about fair. And when we talk about life not being fair, here's probably a better word to describe what we're actually talking about. Um, what we really mean is life isn't even. And we notice it when other people have more or get more or do more, and it's not even with what we have. Right? But there is no way... There is no way when you use the word even instead of fair, because fair sounds attainable, right? Fair, there should be a balance, you know, look at it, do the right thing. Fair seems attainable. When you use the word even, you realize how unattainable fair really is. Because if you say you want life to be even for everybody, like all of you know right away, that's just impossible. Like we live in a fallen world, not gonna work. Even is not even on the table. But here's why this is important, because many times uh, the unevenness of life, uh, it becomes an excuse for irresponsibility. All right, now we're going to get into a little bit here, because after all, after all, if things are uneven and I got the short end of the stick, right? I, I got the smallest piece of the pie. I got overlooked. I got left out. Therefore, what do you expect of me? Anybody ever had that? Uh, <laughs> I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't, I didn't get the recognition I thought I deserved. This isn't fair. This isn't even. So what do they expect of me? I've been passed over too many times. I'm not trying anymore. I got cheated. So, you know, if you have to pick up a little bit of my load, deal with it. At least I can get a little even that way, maybe. I have every reason, we think sometimes, I have every reason to just walk away from my responsibilities because after all, you got my share. Now let me say something to those of you who, who may lean in that direction. Um, don't do that. <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Irresponsibility like that will eat a hole in your soul. Ooh, that rhymed. Oh, it'll eat a hole in your, in your soul. It, it, when we, we were, here's why, we were created to be responsible. And when we aren't responsible, life begins to spiral, right? And you'll never be happy when you are in a spiral of irresponsibility. Be Benjamin Franklin said this. Uh, here's a quote from a founding father for you. Um, he that is good at making excuses is seldom good at anything else. 
And if you find yourself where you're just being irresponsible and making excuses, and life is not going to be a successful one for you. When you get into that spiral and you think you have every reason and every right to give up because of the hand that you've been dealt, you begin to make excuses and justify. And when that happens, you are rarely good at anything else in life. But this isn't just true for those on the downside of the ledger, like those who have been cheated and didn't get their fair share. Um, This idea holds true uh, for those who got the larger piece of the pie as well. Right, those people who would say, life isn't fair, but who cares, I'm winning. <laughs> and some of you are like, mm, I'd like to try that, <laughs> right? Those people who would say that, people who have the extra money or the extra time or the extra attention. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, I was driving by, I think I'm gonna try and see how many weeks in a row I can mention the lottery billboard. <laughs> I noticed driving by this morning, somebody won one of them this week because they were both around you know, half a billion last week. Now one's down to a measly 22 million. That's not even worth playing, right? 22 million. The other one's still like almost, it's still almost like 600 million. Now imagine, imagine, imagine the thought of if on the next round, I don't know, whenever the drawing is, uh, somebody won each of those lotteries. The person who wins the 600 million is not gonna be like, you know, maybe it's not fair that me and this other person both paid the same amount of money for a lottery ticket, but I got 600 and they only got 22. It's just not really fair, (laughs) right? No, that's not crossing their mind. They're like, suckers, all of you who have paid good money out of your paycheck and got nothing, deal with it, I'm the winner, right? But here's where irresponsibility sneaks in for people on that side of the ledger. If you're on the downside, you make excuses. Well, I got ripped off, so I'm just going to be irresponsible now. On the upside is people who have more, the more you have, the more irresponsible you tend to be with it. Right? The more more money you have, the more money you waste. It's a principle that just cannot be (laughs) argued. It happens. Right? The more time you have the more time you waste, right? We've got, man, we've got Ron back visiting this week and we were talking about, he was having to write a paper this weekend and we were talking about, you know, your time management, writing papers. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I can't be one of those people who start a paper early. Like, because the more time that I have doing it, if I sit down, I know I've got time and so I'll just waste time. I can't like get clicked into gear. And so I end up, I'm like, no, I can't waste that time because I end up being like, well, if I start early, then I'm gonna spend like this many hours this day and be less productive because there's not a deadline on me. So I'll just kind of waste the time and let my mind wander a lot. And I'll end up spending, you know, I'll end up spending 30 hours on a paper that should have taken me 15 hours. Because when I have extra time, I just tend to start wasting it, right? And the more of anything that you have, especially things that you don't, absolutely need you're going to waste those things and you see life is unfair and if I'm on the winning side of it if I'm not careful I'm going to use my extra and the fact that I'm successful as an excuse to be irresponsible with what I do have now this is this is a big broad issue right and so the question isn't is life fair or how do I make life fair or even? The real question is, what am I going to do with the hand that I've been dealt? All right, what am I going to do with the slice of pie that I do have? 
right, the opportunity that God has given me in life. That, that, that's really what the issue is. Not is it fair compared to somebody else or not, but what am I going to do with what I do have? And the more you focus on the unfairness of life, the more you're going to be tempted to act irresponsibly because of what someone else does or does not have. Now, all of that stuff I just said, Jesus talks about it as he gives this story. Uh, this is a parable that he gave. You're going to find it in Matthew 20. So this really didn't happen. So if you thought that was a real story, so, sorry about that. But Jesus taught in parables quite a bit, right? In Matthew, there's a whole string of parables put right together uh, of stories that Jesus told to help people understand how God views life, how God views the world uh, uh, through the standpoint of his kingdom and how things work, which is a, a big concept for us to try and wrap our minds around. Um, but in this string of parables, Jesus gives a couple about the unevenness or the unfairness of life. He deals with the issue directly. Now listen, let me give you a, uh, a warning from behind the scenes a little bit. Preachers love parables. They love them. And the reason they do is because you can make all kinds of points out of one single parable. You can pick stuff out and be like, oh, I can do this, this, and this, and this. In fact, I don't know. Maybe one time I'll do a series once we get out of the uh, Sunday school year and we get back to regular series. Maybe I'll do a series where we just do one parable for like five weeks. And I just make, show you how I make different points out of the whole thing over and over and over again. Don't shake your head no at me. But listen, they love, they love parables. The other thing, the other thing to keep in mind about parables um, well, that whole making a lot of points out of them, that's a mistake. It's a mistake that I've made as I've done that. It's a mistake that preachers make. Because parables, when Jesus told them, were meant to make a singular point about an issue he was talking about to the audience he was addressing. But you can make so many points. But Jesus was making one point. The other thing about parables is this. And this is really important to keep in mind because it can make you mad when you read parables. They didn't happen. <laughs> so Jesus tells a lot of stories that can get really infuriating, but they didn't happen. And so you got to be like, okay, okay, it's just making a point. But a lot of preachers really like to pretend that they did and treat them as if they actually did happen. And there are some verses that they were really like. And so, you know, in this, you may have been around a preacher growing up and they may have been like, in this one verse, you know, in this parable, there's this one sentence right here. And woo, woo, let's pick out the sentence. Woo, woo, woo. And they run with it, right? But don't worry, I'm here to rescue you from the woo, woo, woo. I'm not, I'm not a woo, woo kind of preacher usually, right? But when Jesus would tell a parable, he would speak in extremes to make his point. He would say something and he would kind of make it ridiculous so that he could bring his point home. But he would leverage something that wouldn't really happen, but in the cultural norms, people would understand what he was talking about. So he's about to tell these stories to make this single point about how God views the unevenness of life. And this is huge. And here we go. Let me let, me, let, me let you in on something, how God views the unevenness of life. So I'm going to give you a secret. At the very end, we're going to find it out. But I'm going to tell you ahead of time. God never tries to make it fair. He never tries to make it even. That's not even, a, that's not even a, a consideration. Instead, when God's talking about the, the unevenness of life, 
instead of worrying about making it fair, he, he wants us to focus on leveraging what we have. That's more what he's interested in. So, so here's Jesus in Matthew chapter 20. Here's the, the, the scriptural account of him telling this parable. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyards. Much like today in which you can find groups of people standing around places waiting for day work. You need some help. They need some work. Good match. Make it happen. So he agreed to pay a denarius. There's the word I couldn't remember. <laughs> denarius, everybody. He agreed to pay a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Denarius was the standard pay for a day's work. So the owner talks to these guys. They agree on terms. They go to work. Well, apparently there was a lot to be done that day because the owner heads back out to hire more help. At about nine in the morning, which is about three hours after the first guys, he went out and saw others in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go work in my vineyard. I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. He hires more men, but this time is far less specific on the terms, right? And the men who he hired, they were probably fine with that because half the day is gone already. And they're like, well, whatever he's going to pay us, we're probably not going to get hired by anybody else today. So it's either nothing or whatever he decides to throw our way. So sure, let's do it. I'll take what this guy gives. Then he went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. Come work in my vineyard. I will pay you right, he says. So he about. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. So he's got a conversation with those guys as well. Hires them to work for the last hour of the day. When the workday was over, the owner tells the bookkeeper, hey, let's pay all of the workers for the day. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. And immediately the people listening to this story, they're just like, uh, wait, what? Because when they first hear the, the dudes paying the guys who only worked an hour the same amount paying the whole day. But so when he, so he goes, they uh, each got a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. After all, that would only be, our word for the day, fair, right? That would only be fair. I mean, yes, they agreed on amount for the day's work, you know, but the guys that only worked one hour got that. So it only is fair for us to get more. I mean, we would never think that way, would we? <laughs> if we watched that, we'd be like, oh, it doesn't matter what he gives. We had an agreement. I'll just stick with that. No, we are such comparers. It's ridiculous. So when those came who were first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. <laughs> and they said, well, that's what we agreed to do. So, okay, thank you for the opportunity to work. That's not what they said. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These that you hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. <laughs> They're painting quite the picture. In other words, it's not fair. And the landowner quickly dismantles their argument. He says, but he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. And anytime there's a, a little bit of a confrontation going on and one person uses the word friend, it's starting to get a little real. <laughs> Because first of all, you ain't my friend, right? You just hired me for the day. So he says, listen, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. And then, and then he gives a different perspective on the fairness of the situation. Here's what he says next. 
I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. And then he asks this question that just silences their complaints. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? So he essentially looks at the guy and he says, you're talking about this being unfair. Let's talk about fair for me. Is this my money? Shouldn't I be able to hand it out the way I want? That would seem fair. Right? You want to talk about fair? I can give it out how do I, the way I want, right? Which gives us a very important insight. Every situation, every situation is fair to somebody. <laughs> now, on the surface, you might be like, wait, what? But start thinking about all the situations that you're going to think about. And to somebody in that situation, it's fair to them. But Jesus is laying out the idea that you are going to be in positions in life, and if you've lived much life, you've known it, where things are not fair. And the problem is, is that the way that God and Jesus gets presented to so many people, there's the idea that comes across sometimes that, you know, once we decide to follow Christ, that all of a sudden life kind of resolves and the issues resolve and uh, they kind of blend into a little, fades into a little more happily ever after. Things get a little more even and fair and life works out a little better and there's no more troubles and Jesus is letting us know, like, mm, nope. That, that, that's, that's just not how it works. Not everybody is going to get what they think they deserve or what they think is fair. Now, the issue of responsibility comes with this. It comes with what we do get. What we do have, regardless of whether you think it's fair what you got, the issue of responsibility shows up with, what am I going to do with what I got? Right, regardless of what everyone else around you has. So Jesus tells another parable right after this about fairness, right? And coincidentally, it also deals with money. I wonder why he would talk about money so much. Maybe we'll come back to that another time. But it comes with the money. And here's what happens. Jesus tells another parable, and it's about a landowner who's going away. And so he's got a couple servants, and so he's going to leave them some of his money for them to manage while he's gone, to take care of, right? And so he's got three guys, and to one guy he gives five bags of gold, to another guy he gives uh, two bags of gold, to another guy he gives one bag of gold. And he's like, hey, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's uh, take care of my money while I'm gone. Right? And then we find the end of the parable here. It says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. Right, And that means, uh, as he settled accounts, that means he did not expect them to bring back what he gave them and say, here it is, we protected it for you. We guarded it, we made nobody stole it. No, no, no. It meant, that settled accounts meant he wanted to see what they did with it. I gave each of them a certain allotment. (laughs) I want to see what they did. Because he expected them to manage what he gave them, regardless if it was a lot with the five bags or a little with the one bag. He expected all of them to manage it the way he would manage it if he had been given that amount. So the man who received five bags of gold brought the other five because he had invested it. And he turned his five into 10. He brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. 
And this guy, as things were going on, and he had doubled the master's money, I mean, he couldn't wait for the master to get home. He was checking the horizon, like, I can't wait to tell him how good I've done with his money. So his master replies, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. To which Jesus probably was like, wait, Jesus, excuse me? You just said five bags of gold, and then you called it a few things. Jesus, that's not a few things. Not at all. Five. That's a lot of things. I mean, that's a lot of things in Jesus' day. That's a lot of things in our day. Well, Andy, but how much gold was in the bag? It doesn't matter. Five bags of any amount of gold to you right now would be great. <laughs> right? So he says, you've done great with the small things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Since you've been faithful with what I gave you, I will give you more. Great job. So the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. Also doubles his master's money, right? His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things to which time out in the middle of the parable right there, right? The man with five probably is looking at that and being like, wait, you said my five was a few. And now you're saying that his two is a few? Like there's a big difference between what we got, but you kind of seem to be clumping them together as even there, Jesus. That's not quite right. And Jesus is like, oh yeah, just wait. Just wait. He says, you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Well, now wait a minute. That's not fair. Because the other dude like gained five bags. This dude only gained two bags, but they're both getting put in charge of many things. Like, how is that even? I went from five to 10. He went from two to four. And you're putting him in charge of the same? Like, you should put me in charge of more. I gained you more. Right? That's not fair. That's not even. And Jesus is probably thinking like, yeah, that's not the point. That isn't the point. He tells the guy with the two, I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Now, if this were a movie, um, the minor chord would strike and hold with a little low uh, rumbling in the low end because things are going to turn dark. Because it's about who's coming next. The guy with the singular, the guy with the singular bag, right? And what happens next is a fantastic example of first century whining, <laughs> right? It is fantastic. Listen carefully as the guy with the one bag, right, begins to explain why instead of investing the money, he buried the money into the ground, right? And he very subtly blames the master for it, right? Which is what irresponsible people do. Right? It's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. Right? I'm a whiner. I couldn't help it. This is the position so many people take. Verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. <laughs> Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have have not scattered seeds. Now, my goodness, what an opening line. <laughs> Could you imagine? I, I know you're just a terribly unfair, difficult person who takes things that he didn't work for. 
right? That's a weird opening to me, right? And he's essentially looking at him and being like, look, master, I know you are a winner take all. Don't take no for an answer. Leave nothing on the table. Intimidating, tough business guy, right? He says, so because I know this, verse 25, I was afraid, implication of you. I was afraid of you. So let me tell you what I did with your gold. But first of all, this is kind of your fault. That's how he opens it up, right? It's your fault because of the way that you are, it caused me to be afraid. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold into the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And he holds up the bag of gold with probably some dirt falling off of it. And here it is. Now, the reason there's no more than what you gave me here, Master, is, well, <clears throat> it's your fault. It's your fault. But the Master doesn't buy it. He doesn't buy it. His Master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. In other words, you didn't bury the money because you are afraid of me. You buried it because you were lazy. You were lazy. You just did the easiest thing that you could possibly do to try and keep yourself out of trouble. And now that I'm back, you want to blame me for your laziness? Mm, I don't think so. And he, he calls him out on his, on his argument. So, you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. In other words, you knew, you knew that, I, that, that I was that difficult and that I was expecting a return on my investment here. And if you knew that, why didn't you come up with a better plan? There had to be something better than burying it. He says, well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. Like, how hard would that have been? But you didn't even want to go all the way into town. So you just buried it here, then took a nap. I don't know what he did while the master was gone. No, no, no. Too lazy. And you want to blame me. Then Jesus gives another surprise. Check this out. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. To which I'm like, wait a minute. That's not fair. That isn't fair. Shouldn't we give it to the guy with four? I mean, he worked all, he doubled his money too. At least split it, right? Open up the bag, split the gold half and half. That would be more fair, right? But it's not fair. And that's the point of the parable. He says, give it to the one who has 10 bags. For those who have will be given more. And doesn't that truth just tick you off in real life? I mean, just, oh man. There are some principles that exist that just dig at me. And that whole, those who have get more, I'm going to be honest with you, that's one of them. <laughs> that's one of them that, I, you know, I've practiced my talk with God if I ever eventually make it face-to-face -face with him. <laughs> like, hey, what was this? Couldn't it have been those who have less get some? Why is the principle those who have more get more? He says, and they will have an abundance. Those who do not have or maybe the guy who was not responsible with what they did have, even what they have will be taken from them. Right? And then verse 30. Now remember, we're still in a parable, okay? This didn't happen. 
right? Jesus isn't making a big pronouncement here. Verse 30, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. Now he's speaking in extremes here. So here's this guy who had this great opportunity. He didn't do anything to earn the gold, but a bag of gold was given to him and he blew it. And he tried to blame his boss and is thrown out of the fellowship of the master. And then Jesus goes on to the next parable. He doesn't explain it. He doesn't really tie it up at the end. And he just keeps going. And you're left as you read through that. And you're left and you're wondering like, okay, so, so what's the point? The point is this. Is that everybody gets an uneven amount of opportunity in life. It's just the way it works. It's not going to be fair. Right? It's all uneven. But, but, and this is the scary part that really gets us in trouble when we don't pay attention to it. Everybody will be held accountable for what they did with what they did get. Not everybody's getting the same, but everybody's accountable. Right? The opportunity that we have all been given in life, whether you think you've only gotten a little opportunity in life or you think you've gotten a lot, that opportunity has been given to us and it isn't even ours. It's on loan to us. And it's our responsibility to leverage that as much as we can. And there are some people uh, around us who have five bags of gold worth of opportunity. It seems like they get every chance. Everything kind of goes their way. They have the possibility of getting more and more and more, right? Some of us only have two bags of opportunity. Some of us, some of us are one bag people. Maybe some of us have spent time in all three of those categories, right? But it all just seems to... And when I think about those categories, you know, let's just be real for a minute. It, it's, okay to, it's okay to have real thoughts in church. So I want you to have real thoughts. Some of you know some five-bag opportunity people, don't you? We don't like them very much, do we? Now, we're not going to say it out loud because we're good Christians. But we carry, there's a level of, of animosity. I mean, it's rooted in jealousy. We'll be honest about it. And, and to be fair, most five-bag people aren't very humble about it. But we don't really like them very much, right? It all just seems to so come, come so natural and easy. To, it seems like they don't have to work for their opportunities. But the five-bag people that we know, if they aren't careful in their life, they're going to take it for granted. And they're going to take it granted for granted because, A, they have so much and it comes so easily, right? And then, then, then they're on the one-bag people because probably most of us, I think, if we probably would rate ourselves, we'd probably maybe put ourselves in the two-bag category. You know, we've got more than some, a lot less than others, but we'd probably be two-baggers. And so then there's the one-bag people who maybe came from a difficult background, who just never had the foundation to start life, to ever even begin to have the opportunities that even us two-bag people have. Right? Things were difficult for them, right? The, you know, and, and they don't get the breaks. And some of it may not even have, some of it may not even have anything to do with them. 
right? It, it, you know, some, you know, in the society we live in, there are some people that just because of the physical features of their face and the shape of their body, they will not get the opportunities that other people get. Completely out of their control. No opportunity. Maybe they're poor communicating. Maybe people are just socially awkward and so they're not going to be able to. And, you know, and, and then, there's, then there's those of us who are in the middle. The two-bag people. And the question is, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with our two bags here, people? <laughs> what are we going to do with it? Are we going to look at the five-bag people all the time and talk about how life isn't fair and eh, I don't really care for them. They seem a little stuck up. Why do they guy keep telling me about every new thing they get? I want a new thing, you know. But what are we going to, are we looking around, listen, listen, the question, the question is what are we going to do with what we've been given regardless of how fair it is or isn't? And, and, and the question really comes down to this, with the things in my life, am I acting responsibly? Really? Because <laughs> you all just told yourself a real quick story that's like, mm, maybe not a little, but I'm pretty good. Mm-mm. Really? Are you being responsible with what you've been given? Or are we looking around and using the smokescreen of fairness as an excuse to be irresponsible with our life? And that's really the question that we've got to deal with. Whichever category you're in, it doesn't matter. The question is the same. Am I being responsible with what I've been given? Because, make no doubt, you will be held accountable for what you do with the opportunities you've been given in this life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we don't deal real, real well with unfairness. And this is one that, that this, is a, this is a principle that so many of us violate without even realizing it. But God, I I pray this week, uh, I I pray for two things, Lord. First of all, I pray that you begin to bring it to our attention when we find ourselves considering life unfair. And we feel like we've gotten the short end of the stick and we're comparing ourselves to other people. Lord, I want you to make it clear in our mind, hey, hey, yeah, it's not fair but you've been given opportunity. And Lord, I pray the second thing is that we begin to have the wisdom and the courage to stop comparing ourselves to others, to stop holding up this ideal of fairness that's never going to happen in this lifetime on this earth, and that we begin to look at what we do have, and instead of comparing it, we begin to ask you and look for ways to actively leverage what we do have for those around us and for the things that you would want it leveraged for. Because after all, Lord, everything we have is because of you. Whether that be a lot or a little. And let us be people who one day we are able to hear from you, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, let us not be irresponsible because of the unfairness of life, but let us recognize it 
and do what you would do with what you've given us. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Look forward to next week as we uh, discuss another story in our Sunday School series.